So we have a new group called Blood Jam in the church. That was really good, the way you jammed that song. They made that up. They just faked it. That was pretty good. Uh, what can wash away my sin? Thanks, Adrian, for running around wherever you went. Thank you. Getting us uh, sound. I want to mention a couple of good things. Way to go. Last Sunday we had Easter. It was really fun. He is, he is risen. And he still is. Amen. And uh, we had over 230 people here, so somebody invited somebody, so keep up the good work. Well done. Most likely kill you in the morning. Anyway, um, I want to mention a way to go. A few weeks back, we uh, pushed for the International Justice Mission signing thing, and you guys did a great job. So we do, you know, put our hands to something, make it happen. Very cool way to go. Um, I'm on schedule for dinners. If you've been waiting a long time, Sorry, that's just the way it is. I'm about a third into my list. Oh, oh, yeah. So you just have to hang around. Everybody stay alive. Keep your shirt on. And uh, we'll get to you, I promise. I'm not avoiding anybody, all right? Well, maybe a couple of people. Yeah, Yeah, like that. Anyway, I mentioned that we're going to have a big meeting, how we lead uh, Sunday morning, everyone that's engaged in that. Because you're all so busy and life is weird, the first delay was on me, the rest is on you. Uh, We're pushing it out to May 1st. That one's in stone now. If you can't make it, okay, but May 1st. Going to aim for May 1st. Those of you who are helping me with that or meeting with me after for a few minutes this morning, after this morning's service. Um, The book that we're in, Philippians, is a lot of fun. You know what subjects are coming up? More humility. Oh, no, right? Um, Leadership is coming up in the very next section. That's a a subject that we've had lots of excitement about in the past, haven't we? Can't wait. (laughs) That's what my son does when he's real excited. Anyway, so I'm sorry you don't get that. But anyway, leadership, uh, maybe we're scared of it. Maybe we have reflex reactions. I don't know, but we need to talk about what the Bible says. Also, toward the end of the book, we get on the subject of giving. Oh, exactly. I'm waiting for the whole church to groan. One thing you can't accuse me of is one of those preachers that every time you're in the building, I'm begging or hitting you up for money or any of that, you know. I haven't even tried passing the plates around twice. You know how they do in some churches. I want to see a sea of green. I don't want to hear any jingling. Send that around again. It's not right. Sorry you guys don't get out enough. All right. But we're going to see what God has to say, the way it ought to be, right? And, uh, but speaking of giving, um, we're doing pretty okay. So some, some of you out there have taken your stewardship seriously. I just want to say way to go and thank you for faithfulness, all right? Amen. It is obedience. Amen. And so enough of my comments. Let me mention my sermon today. I'm going to ram through this in 10 minutes. Is that good? And then I'll close in prayer. The name of my sermon is Prove It. Ever been on the, you know, school playground as a kid? Blah, blah, blah. I remember a wonderful movie, probably the most spiritual movie I've ever seen, called The Christmas Story with the BB gun and Ralphie. Oh, you're going, no, not really, blah, blah, blah. Actually, there is something about that movie that breaks me, but I'm not going to get into it right now. But you remember one day they're going to school, all the buddies, you know, Flick, Schwartz, and Ralphie. And uh, 
I think it's Flick says, no, Schwartz says to Flick, oh, I asked my old man about putting your tongue on the telephone pole when it's cold, remember? And he says, he says it'll stick. Yeah, what does your old man know? <laughs> you know, great kids, you know. What does he know? Yeah, well, there's only one way to find out. Prove it. Yeah. Anybody ever see it? You know what happened. They had to get the fire. Oh, it's the cops. Oh, no. <laughs> Great scene. You got to get out. You know. I can loan it to you if you don't have it anyway. You have to prove it. Somewhere along the line, you got to prove it. So I have a very simple point relating to the passage of Scripture that was listed in your bulletin. Talks about after the transition from Jesus being an example of humility and self-sacrifice, you also obey as you have done in the past, obey, walk in humility, uh, all of that. It says uh, in that text, and then it says that you may prove yourselves to be children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Interesting statement, right? So let me go past that. I'm going backwards. That's my problem. That you may prove yourselves to be children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Not going to take time to unpack all the words. Look at that one. Grumbling, disputing. That's how not to prove that you're God's children. Duh. And then that you may prove yourselves blameless and innocent. What do those words mean? We'll have to unpack them another time. All right? But here's where I want to go. Children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world. The New Jerusalem Bible translates this verse differently. Let me read it to you. That you re remain faultless and pure, unspoilt. That's old language, right? Unspoilt. Unspoilt children of God surrounded by a deceitful and underhanded brood. Really? Are people like that? Yes. Hello, sometimes. Shining out among them like bright stars in the world. Isn't that a cool description? There are times that when we behave in certain ways, we undermine our witness, and when we behave in other ways, it reinforces, it proves, it speaks life into the reality that Jesus has, in fact, called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So in honesty and fairness to you, I'm not going to unpack any of those words for now. We'll come back to them later. But what I want to do is speak about the fact that there are times Christians score big when they prove it. I'll give you some examples. Um, in fact, yeah, let me, let me show you one other verse. Oop, no, I did. No Q&A. No, no time. John said, I was very glad when the brethren came and bore witness to your truth. That is, how you are walking in truth. I have no greater joy than this than to hear of my children walking in the truth. That's a pastor's verse if I ever saw it. There's no greater joy than having the children of God walk in the truth. Prove it. So, you remember when there were these terrible shootings and other things that have happened with the Amish community? And people, I can't remember whether it was Anderson Cooper, I think my wife told me. Wasn't it? Who was it? It wasn't that one. It was one of them that were like astounded because they spoke in solidarity saying, we have forgiven. Said, what? No, we have forgiven what has been done. We have forgiven that person. 
people like Bono who made a profession a while back and he's out on cutting edge in terms of real social issues, people pay attention to that. They go, what is it about that? Making a real difference in the world. So I have a story here that I'm going to tell you. So it doesn't get any better than storybooks, does it? I'm going to tell you a story, boys and girls, today. It's called The Pineapple Story. I'm glad you're happy. And this is a missionary story, and it's an example of somebody ultimately getting it and proving it. So that's all I'm going to do is just tell this story and let it speak for itself. The pineapple story took place in Dutch New Guinea, covered a period of seven years. It's humorous and yet a profound illustration of applying a basic principle of the scripture. And here's what happened. He's working in New Guinea. He's way in a very, very remote area of the jungle. There's no conveniences of any kind. He and his wife start a compound. They have a store where they can sell machetes and things that the natives can use. And uh, they have a clinic, a medical clinic, of course. And uh, as he's on the field and he's trying to learn the language, he says... You know, there's some things that I miss, and one thing I would really like to do is taste fresh fruit. We don't get fresh fruit back here where we are. So he goes to a mission station, and he buys a bunch of pineapples. And he brings the pineapples back, and he's going to have them planted. He hires one of the locals to prepare the ground and plant the pineapples and start to tend it. And he says, I'll pay you for that. And so he does pay him for it. And the pineapples start to grow, and it takes about three years for pineapples to become ripe and for him to be able to harvest, and he's getting to the point where he can't wait. He can almost taste those fresh pineapples. He's so excited. They start to get ripe, and guess what happens? You got it. They start disappearing. Every ripe one disappears. He says, who's doing this? Everybody's blaming, no, it wasn't me, it wasn't me, it wasn't me, it wasn't me. He says, what am I going to do to get the heat on these people? So he turns off the clinic, shuts it down. People are getting sick. They even lose some children. He says, I can't keep doing that. He can't stand it anymore. So begrudgingly, he opens the clinic again, puts up with more of the baloney. He does another thing. He tries getting a dog. That didn't work out. A German shepherd, they had not seen a dog that big or anything like it. That didn't work out well. And then he closes the store. And they all say, well, if you're not going to have anything we can use, we might as well go way back into our jungle huts and uh, not live in this little community. He says, now here I am sitting with no people, no anything. What's going wrong? He finally finds out that it's the law of the local tribe. And here's what it says. We found out who was doing it, the guy who had planted them. I called him on the carpet. I said, look, buddy. <laughs> I don't know if you understood that. But look, buddy, what are you doing stealing my pineapples? You're my gardener. He said, my hands plant them, my mouth eats them. That's the rule of the jungle. If they plant something, it's theirs. They had never heard of any idea of paying for services. So he said, they're all mine. I said, oh, no, they're mine. I paid you to plant them. But he just couldn't understand so I thought, well, what do I do now? It's the rule of their tribe. I'd better learn to live by their rule. So he tried everything he could, working the angles to get them to leave the pineapples alone, and it never worked. So he finally gave up. He said, let's just tear them all up and throw them in a pile. I'll start all over. And so he did. That means another three years of waiting. 
they're still not getting it together as far as the meeting of the minds. We rooted them all up. I bought all new plants. I said, now look, you guys, I'm going to pay you to plant them, but I eat them. You don't eat any. I eat them. They said, you can't do that. If we plant them, we eat them. I said, look, I don't have time to mess with this garden. I'm trying to work this thing out. It just didn't work. So he let them grow another three years, and guess what happened? <laughs> Anybody want to guess? Finally, after three more years, the pineapples began to ripen. My wife and I walked through the garden again. I said, man, pretty soon we're going to have a crop of our own pineapples. We started to thank God that he was providing them for us. But do you know what happened? Every one of them was stolen. You want to see the pictures? See, boys and girls? <laughs> I would see the natives go into the garden in the daytime, the spot where the ripe ones were, and then at night they would sneak out and steal it. I thought, what am I going to do? I can't cut the clinic. I can't shut down the store and all of that. There I was sitting by myself eating pineapples, no people, no ministry. I said to my wife, look, we can eat pineapples back in the States. I mean, if that's all we're here to do, sounds like a light's dawning. A runner returned and said, I'll get, I said to them, get them all back. We'll open the store next Monday. And I thought and thought, how am I going to eat those pineapples? There must be a way. Well, finally, he comes home. He's sitting under the ministry of the word, and he gets sorely convicted. Here's what he heard. The Bible says, if you give, you will have. If you keep for yourself, you will lose. Give your things to God, and God will see that you have enough. This is a basic principle. I thought, man, I don't have anything to lose. <laughs> I love the carnal thinking. It's great. It's like, I, did you get that? Okay. I don't have anything to lose. I will give that pineapple garden to God because I am not eating the pineapples anyway. Now, I know that's not a very good sacrifice. You're supposed to sacrifice something that's valuable to you. But I would give it to God and see if he could control it. I said, man, I'm going to see how he's going to do it. And so he stood out in the garden one night and he gave it to God. It all belongs to you. Lord, I see these pineapple bushes. I fought to have fruit for them. I have claimed them. I have stood up for my rights. It's all wrong and I realize it now. I have seen that it is wrong and I give them to you. From now on, if you want me to eat any of your pineapples, fine. You just go right ahead and give them to us. If not, fine. It really doesn't matter. So I gave them to God, and the natives stole the pineapples as usual. And I thought to myself, see, God, you can't control them either. <laughs> Sounds like some of us, right? Come on, be honest. This is for posterity. Anyway, then one day they came to me. Here, are you ready? Got your, you got your seatbelt on? Are you ready? They came to me one day and said, Tuan, foreigner, you have become a Christian, haven't you? I was ready to react and say, look here, I've been a Christian for 20 years. And they said, and he, instead I said, why do you say that? And they said, because you don't get angry anymore when we steal your pineapples. This was a revelation. Now I was living what I had been preaching to them. Now I'm proving it. I had been telling them to love one another, be kind to one another, and I had always been standing up for my rights, and they knew it. 
finally, one lad, bright young man, started thinking and said, now why don't you get angry anymore? I said, I've given that garden away. It isn't my garden anymore. I don't get angry anymore. They started looking at each other. Who did he give it to? He give it to you? Did he give it to you? Did he give it to you? No, no, no. A second person started thinking, well, who did you give it to? Whose pineapples are we stealing? I said, I've given the garden to God. To God? <laughs> Hasn't he got any pineapples where he is? <laughs> I said, I don't know whether he has or not, but I've given it to God. They went to the village and said, do you know those pineapples we're stealing? one has given them to God. They all started thinking about that when they came back in a group and said, Tuan, you should not have done it. Why don't you get them back from God? No wonder we aren't getting the pigs when we go hunting. No wonder our babies are getting sick. No wonder our wives are not getting, giving birth. No wonder the fish aren't biting. Hello? Then they said, Why shouldn't, we shouldn't steal them anymore if they're gods, should we? Duh. They were afraid of God. So then the pineapples began to ripen. The natives came and said, two on your pineapples are ripe. No, they're not mine. They belong to God. Well, they're going to get rotten. You had better pick them. So I got some and I let the natives take some. My family sat down to eat them. We said, Lord, we're eating your pineapples. Thank you for giving them to us. And the natives were enjoying them too. In all those years, those natives were watching me and listening to my words. They saw that the two didn't match. Thank you for giving them to us. But when I began to change, they did too. And guess who started to become Christians? Brothers and sisters, it's past time to prove it. Let's stand together and be dismissed. That's our meditation for the week. Take it home. Put your favor on your people, God, in the name of Jesus. Keep us safe. Raise us up. Pour out of your spirit. Let us prove the gospel. I have a feeling some of us might be shocked to see what we really look like. I know I have been many times, but I'm asking that things would turn in such a way that even if it sounds insulting to us, we would be big boys and girls and say, oh, you think I just became a Christian? <laughs> well, maybe I did. Help us, we pray. In the great name of Jesus and all of God's people said, Amen, amen. Have a great day meeting up here. By the way, no prayer meeting tonight. I'm nervous about the weather, so don't try coming out, okay? No prayer meeting tonight. Everybody heard me? Thank you. God bless you.